Thank you, Brother Terry. Man, that's one of my favorites. You haven't sung that in a long time. You sang it at the right time today. Thank you. Until then, if you brought your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter 1, and then we're going to look at Revelation chapter 3. I'm going to share a sermon I've entitled, Keep the Fire Burning. Keep the Fire Burning. And if I had known what Terry was going to sing, I would just probably title this, Until Then. That would have been good. But until then, until he comes back for us, or until he comes back to the earth, uh, we're going to keep the fire burning. We're going to learn how to do that as the Bible speaks to our heart this morning. Revelation chapter 1. And um, we'll look at Revelation 1, and we'll look at, we'll start with verse 11. Uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 11, and go through verse 14, and then chapter 3, 14 through 22. If you would and are able, please stand out of reverence and respect for the infallible and errant word of God. Revelation chapter 1, verse 10 through 14, and I was in the, oh, verse 11, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, speaking to John, write in the book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia. Here are the churches. To Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of those seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head, his hair, were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. Now chapter 3, verse 14. And to the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things say the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich in white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with the eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and dine with him and he with me. And to him who overcometh, I'll grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." 
Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to worship you and now to hear your word. Allow your spirit to be our teacher, our guide. Go from chair to chair in this room this morning. Speak to hearts, those who have never trusted you as Lord and Savior of their life, believers who have trusted you. And Lord, so many today are lukewarm in the church. And I pray, Lord, you'll speak to our heart. Give us the ear to hear. You've given us that ear. Help us, Lord, to fine-tune it to you today. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Keep the fire burning. Last week we discovered that we're living in the last days. And these last days are leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ. I personally believe that the second coming of Jesus Christ is very near. There's some things that have to happen before Jesus comes the second time to earth. But we learned last week that before he comes to earth, there's going to be an appearing of Jesus, and he's going to rapture, and he's going to call up, snatch away, gather together the church, his bride to himself, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But Jesus said there'd be signs of his coming, not the rapture, but signs of his coming to earth. They'd be signs of his coming. He likened the signs to a woman who is about to give birth to a baby. The woman would have birth pains. And the closer the pains get together, the closer you are to the birth of the baby. The point is, as we see more signs of his second coming, the more we see more things happening concerning his second coming, the closer we are to the second coming of Christ. Matthew chapter 24, 6 through 8, let me just, for the sake of time, share with you some things that are going to be happening before the Lord comes to earth again. He mentions in this passage of scripture, you can jot that verse down, Matthew 24, 4 through 6, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars before his second coming. Now the war in Ukraine is, is a war on a scale that we haven't seen in a long, long time. It's a fierce war. All wars are fierce. But we're able to see this in live action uh, on our TVs. Never before, really, we've been able to see this much of war. But he said there's going to be wars and rumors of war. Then he, the Bible says there's going to be pestilences, i.e. there's going to be plagues and there's going to be disease and there are going to be pandemics. For two and a half years we've dealt with this COVID-19 and its variants. And those have killed hundreds of thousands of people around the world. But then he gives a, another sign in Ezekiel chapter 37, 38, and 39, and he speaks of this person that's known as the Antichrist. The Bible says that a world leader will emerge and would be called the Antichrist, and he's going to deceive all people. And I believe, I honestly believe, the government overreach during this worldwide pandemic forcing certain rules and regulations and restrictions, while at the same time disregarding personal freedoms guaranteed us by God and by our Constitution, 
It's just a sign of something more worse to come under the rule of the Antichrist. You think you've had it rough in the past with government regulations? Wait till the Antichrist comes and see what happens. So the point being, we're experiencing the birth pains of more terrible things to come. Prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. We also learned that since the last week, that since the ascension of our Lord, we're living in an age of grace. We're living in the church age. This church age began at the ascension. The early prophets didn't know about this 2,000 years that we're in now. They thought Christ would. Christ would ascend, and later he would, uh, right after his ascension, you'd have the, the tribulation, and after the tribulation, you'll have the millennial reign, and then you'd have Christ coming back, set up, the, set up his kingdom, have the millennial reign, and then it'd take us, to, take us to heaven. Eternity would continue. But there's a, there's a little space there from the cross until... The tribulation is known as the church age. It's known as the period of grace, an age of grace, and that's what we're in now. And so he laid his hands upon Saul of Tarsus, and Saul became a prophet to the Gentiles, that's us, and he began to preach, not the law that Israel knew, but he preached the salvation by grace, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But this is going to end one day. This period of grace is going to end. And the Bible says it's going to end after the fulfillment of the Gentiles, which simply means that when God says, okay, that's the last Gentile that's going to be saved. I'm sending Christ for my church. That's the period of Gentiles. Just think of that. Just think there's one person out there, one person you may be friends with, you may have an opportunity to talk to and share the gospel with, but there's one Gentile out there, and after that Gentile comes to know Christ, God says, that's it. It's the end of the Gentiles. And then he tells his son to go get my church, go get my bride. And then you have Christ descend into the lower atmosphere of the earth, and you have the rapture or the catching away or the snatching away or the gathering away of the body of Christ. So the question is, where are you going to be in all of that? Are you going to go up with the church or are you going to remain here on earth? Now there's only either one or two places. You're either with Christ or you're here on earth. And so we come now to Revelation chapter 3, 14 through 22, and he deals with this, these, these verses with the church age. Although he's speaking to churches in Asia Minor, he's speaking to us today in the church age. So Revelation chapter 3, 14 through 22 deals with the church age. The time from the ascension of Jesus until the rapture of the church. That's the period that he's dealing with in chapter 3, 14 through 22. And so he mentions seven churches there in chapter 1, verse 11. Notice that, if you will. Chapter 1 of Revelation, verse 11. I'm Alpha, Omega, the first, the last, 
John, what you see, write in a book. Send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, to Sardis, to, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. And so he symbolically describes the church age, this period of time that we're in right now. Don't, don't forget that. And what he's saying to the church age, to John, he's saying to churches all time, everywhere. The point is, each message to the church in the church that he mentioned, those seven churches, apply to us. Not, and really, it's just prior to the second coming of Christ. Now, one day I mentioned the Lord's going to leave heaven. He's going to come to the lower atmosphere of the earth. He's going to gather the church to himself, those that uniquely belong to him. We read that, 1 Thessalonians 4, 15, uh, 16 through 18. You can read that again at home. But listen, that snatching away of the church, after that happens, unleashes seven years of tribulation for those that are left behind. So the question is, will you be going up or will you be staying here? Now, if we're going up, that's great. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. But until that time, until then, what are you doing? What are we doing? What are we doing between now and the time the rapture comes? What are you supposed to be doing? And so each message to the church, there in Revelation 1, verse 11, those seven churches... Each message speaks to us. They, it speaks to us, these, these messages speak to us prophetically, such as the Ephesian church, church at Ephesus, their love was growing code. Laodicea, the church was lukewarm. So it speaks prophetically to us. Don't let your love grow code. Don't be lukewarm. It speaks to us practically. We face the same problems as those churches face. Then we face those same problems today. It speaks to us powerfully. Revelation 3, verse 22. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's powerful. He speaks to us presently. These messages speak to us. It's not just what God said, but it's what God is saying to us now. Get that in your mind. God is speaking to us now. Speaks to us presently. Speaks to us personally. It's not what he's saying in general, but it's what he's saying to us. To us. Therefore, you need to open your ears, he says. You need to open your mind, your heart to the message. And so, to see how you can maintain a spiritual life for the Lord until he returns... Listen to what he says to us today in his message. So in Revelation chapter 1, verse 11, the Lord is standing, the Bible says, in the middle of these golden candlesticks. They're being fed by oil. And these candlesticks are illustrations of churches. There's seven churches. The church is the light of the world. You have these golden candlesticks representing seven churches that he mentions. You know, the Lord's, and he's in the middle of these seven candlesticks. And the Bible says, God says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'll be among them. So listen, wise up today. Guess who's here? 
Has it dawned on you? Has it ever dawned on you when you come to church that the Lord is here? Matthew 18, 20. So the point is, God is in our midst today with a message for you, with a message for me, and the point is, those who have an ear. I don't see any missing. Let him hear. Listen. So first of all, you have the seven churches, point number one. Point number two, hurriedly. There's a strong warning in verse 16. Now what's that? Look at strong warning in verse 6, chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, look at the strong warning. So then because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I'll spew you out of my mouth. The Greek word translated spew there is a word that we get the English word uh, emeta, emeta, or emetic. Emetic is an agent used to induce vomiting. I'll spew out of my mouth. I will vomit you. God's saying there's a sin. Now listen, there's a sin so vile that it is nauseating to him. It's not drunkenness, it's not adultery, it's not homosexuality, it's not murder, it's not lying, it's not stealing. It's the sin of lukewarmness makes him sick, makes him vomit. So what's the sin of lukewarmness? Well, lukewarmness is a little too cold to be hot. Lukewarmness is just a little too hot to be cold. Lukewarmness is too cold to boil, but it's, it's too hot to freeze. You see, the sin that is most prevalent in the churches today, and I know that's most prevalent in Mountain View Baptist Church, the sin that is most prevalent today is the sin of lukewarmness. A sin that makes God nausea enough to vomit. Now, it, it, it's not a sin, it's not to those that he's sick who, who hate Christ because they're already cold spiritually. They're just, they're just waiting for judgment. But it, it's not a sin by those who are on fire for him, for they're really zealous for God and they have this burning, glowing passion to draw close to God and to give him glory. But God is speaking to those in between, those that are self-satisfied, half-hearted in everything they do for him. Half-hearted and self-satisfied Christians. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I've been here long enough to know that most people who attend church, this church, fall into this category of lukewarmness, and that, as a pastor, breaks my heart. So to whom is God speaking? To the person that's code? No. To the person that's on fire? No. 
to the person that's just self-satisfied, floating alone, and just uh, half-hearted doing what God wants him or her to do. So how do you know if you're lukewarm? Real quick. You need to examine yourself. Number four. Examine yourself. And here's some things to examine. Examine your sanctification. Examine your holiness. Are you holy before the Lord? This little girl prayed one night and she said, God, God make me good, but not too good, just good enough not to get spanking. That's the way a lot of us are. That's how many Christians feel about their personal holiness. God make me good, but not too good, just, just good enough that I don't have to deal with chastisement or anything of that nature. Christians today consider holiness, I believe, as old-fashioned. But Jesus knew about indifference. Listen to what he said in Mark chapter 7, verse 6. He said, the people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They just give me lip service. Let me ask you this. Do you have a, do you have a desire to be personally holy before the Lord? Holy before the Lord? To honor the Lord with your life, youth, young adults. Do you have a desire to honor the Lord with your life? You're giving you, when you were saved, you're saying, Lord, I'm giving you my life. I belong to you. Do you have, do you have a desire to be holy? Not sinless, not sinless perfection, but is your goal every day to live a holy life before the Lord? Do you have, here's the point, do you have a burning passion in your heart to live a holy life every day for the Lord? You see, some of you are waiting for the rapture and you're lukewarm in your sanctification and you care nothing about that. And we're on the verge, the next thing, of Christ coming for his church. Until then, live a holy life before the Lord. Are you lukewarm? Examine yourself. I shared, I've shared before, I shared it again. Some of you may not have heard it, some of you just have to hear it again. But I had this, I had this little picture hanging out. Well, it wasn't a picture, it was a saying that somebody had won at a county fair that was right at the foot of my bed at my grandmother's house, and she lived across the road. I spent the night slept in that bed uh, from the time I was in the first grade up till I was probably eleventh uh, uh, grader, tenth grader maybe. My grandmother moved in with my aunt, but that little plaque said this: "Do you want to be where you are now when the Lord comes?" Do you want to be what you're doing now when the Lord comes? Do you want to be saying what you're saying now when the Lord comes? I promise you, if you'll put that to heart, you won't be where you don't need to be when the Lord comes. You won't be doing what you're doing. You don't want to be doing when the Lord comes. And you won't be saying what you won't, don't want to say when the Lord comes. Holiness. And that's what he expects of us. Be ye holy. Not perfect, but be ye holy. Separated to him. 
Examine your sanctification while you're waiting for the rapture. Secondly, examine your service. Where are the Christians who are reaching out in love to their unsaved neighbors? Anybody in here? Don't raise your hand. Where are the Christians today who are, who are inviting unsaved people, standing in the grocery line or standing uh, in the coffee shop or standing or in the gym or wherever you might be, Walmart or Sam's, inviting people to church to hear the word of God that they might be saved? Do we have any Christians serving that way? Are you lukewarm in serving? Are you lukewarm, jot this down, are you lukewarm in your singing? You see, the most important thing about a song, it's not its perfect pitch. But the most important thing about a song is that it's sung in the spirit. No person, listen, no person should sing in a choir unless they're spirit-filled. Just don't get up here to fill in a chair. But if you're spirit-filled sitting out there, you need to be up here singing in the spirit. No person, no person should sing a solo unless they're spirit-filled. No person should, should be on the praise team unless they're spirit-filled. No person should be playing the instruments unless they're spirit-filled. Where do you get that, Brother Sammy? Well, turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. Just jot it down. should be on your screen. Here's what it says. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Do not be drunk with wine where, which is dispensation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now what happens when you're filled with the Spirit? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for the things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, you know, now I know when I read this and I put my mind to it and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me, I know now why so many people, Terry, aren't singing in the choir. I know now why so many aren't singing out there. They're not filled with the Spirit of God. Don't say you don't have the Spirit. I'm saying the Spirit don't have full control of you when you worship it. So are you lukewarm in your singing? Are you lukewarm in your singing? Singing with gladness, singing with urgency, singing with a feeling, singing with tears. Examine your lukewarmness in your sanctification, your service, and your singing. And then in Scripture, do you truly love the Word of God? I mean, do you? Do you really love the Word of God? Do you truly love the Word of God? Not just in church, but do you love the Word of God at home? Do you read the Bible at home? Do you teach the Scripture to your kids? Do you hunger for the Word? Did you know that the entire Bible can be read in 10 months at a pace of four chapters a day? Try it. 10 months, four chapters a day, Bible read through. Now, being honest before the Lord, do you need to repent of being lukewarm to the Word of God? Parents, are you reading the Word of God? Here's a real hard question. How much time do you spend reading the Word of God compared to the time that you give to Facebook? 
How much time do you spend reading the Word of God compared to the time of browsing the Internet? How much time do you spend reading the Word of God and the time you give to TV? I'm afraid we're waiting for the rapture and we're lukewarm toward the Word of God. And we're lukewarm in our sanctification and we're lukewarm in our service and we're lukewarm in our singing. And so what does the Lord say about it? Revelation 3.15, I wish you were either hot or cold. You know what that means? Here's what it means. It means that he would rather have you against him than pretend to love him. That's what it means. Lukewarm heart. Adrian Rogers said this, I liked it. He said, lukewarm Christians have done more harm to the cause of Christ than all the prostitutes, bartenders, pornographers, and drug pushers combined. Lukewarm Christians, he says, are the alibi for sinners, and they double-cross Christ. God help us to be hot while we're waiting for the rapture. Number five, and I'll close. What's the cure for it? Look at chapter 3, verse 19. We really need to know the cure. As many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Ask yourself this. Do, do I love the Lord with all my heart? If I don't, am I, am I willing to repent? Am I, am I willing to change my attitude, my disposition, my mind about how I love the Lord? If I don't love him with all of my heart, will I, will I repent and begin today loving him with all my heart? You see, if you don't repent, what does verse 19 say? As many as I love. If you don't repent and you're lukewarm, he says, I'm going to rebuke and I'm going to chasten you. That's what he says. So if you do not repent, he's going to rebuke and chasten you. And Adrian Rogers said this. He said, you cannot simply waltz your way to heaven in a lukewarm condition without God meeting you along the way to chasten you. You don't think he's going to deal with lukewarm people? He does. You don't think he's dealt with you? He has. You need, if you have ears, you need to hear. You need to be aware of what he's done in your life and see where you need to repent and change and come back and be hot for the Lord like he expects you to. Lukewarmness is not a small sin. Lukewarmness is a great sin. The greatest commandment is this. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord God with all of your heart. And the greatest sin... It's not to. So how do you stand this morning? The point is, in the last days, our Lord says lukewarmness will be the condition of the average church. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, look what he says. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door and come in, to him, I'll come into him and dine with him and he with me. He's not talking to a lost person. No, he's talking to the church. Anybody in here 
as God's knocking on your heart's door, as being lukewarm, if you'll open this door, he'll come in and he'll visit with you and he'll dine with you and he'll have one more good time with you. He's knocking at the heart's door of the church, the people of God. Verse 21, to him who overcomes, I'll grant to sit with me in my throne, as I've also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. God says to those in the church who are lukewarm, I'm knocking at your door right now. I'm knocking at your door. And what you do in answering is you repent. So the point is, until the rapture, we're to keep our passion burning for the Lord Jesus. And that's the next thing on the prophetic calendar, is, he, is he'll be coming back. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a time that we've had this morning to worship you. Now to open your word, and God, how convicting your word is to my heart. Lord, help me have this burning passion in my life for you as a pastor, but not as just a pastor, as a Christian, Lord. I'm nothing special. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And God, let me have a passion. Help me to examine, Lord, my sanctification. Help me to examine, Lord, my life to where I've fallen short and, and I'm just not as hot in certain areas that I have been in the past. Help me, Lord, to see that today and repent in Jesus' name. Amen.